why hello high five listeners hi samantha hello hi bd wong this is perhaps it's you an unofficial unsolved mysteries podcast and my name is liz (laughs) my name is samantha (laughs) and we're here today to talk about i don't know unsolved mysteries i guess season seven episode three i think i'm really tired (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh-huh we're at season seven of the i can't i can't believe how long we've been doing this how much longer we have to keep (laughs) doing this i mean we don't we don't have to we don't have to that's true if you want us to keep doing it you better sign up for that patreon because (laughs) patreon.com slash Perhaps, perhaps it's, it's you. Per, perhaps with, it's you. I don't know how with it's an spelled. Extra we, T in there. So we spelled it wrong. Go to our website, perhaps it's you.com, and that'll link you. Uh yeah, yeah. I have a couple updates from the top of the show. Do you have anything you wanted to share with our fine listeners? <laughs> if I do, I forgot. So no. How's Alfie doing? Alfie is good. Alfie got a manicure yesterday. Oh. He was not happy about it. No, he wouldn't be, would he? <laughs> no. If you have equines, or if you're familiar with equines, they have to have their hooves trimmed every six weeks. And because we live in Minnesota and it's cold as fuck, he actually has gone a little long because the original date we had scheduled with the farrier, the hoof trimmer, it was like negative 30. And he was like, yeah, I'm not coming out. And we were like, good. So it's it's been a while since I would say he's he's been, not handled, because I go out there every day, but you know it's different sure, and so sure, he, yeah. he he just decided he's feral now and he doesn't want <laughs> anyone going near his feet and uh little tiny donkeys are stronger stronger than they look so uh yeah he is probably upset with me but he's doing okay he, he we did successfully trim his hooves well that's all that matters quit being such a brat Alfie get it together <laughs> he's so cute though you kind of like I don't know. You can't even be mad at him because he's so cute. I, I'm aware of this issue. <laughs> it's a certain dog that lives in my house named Leonard. <laughs> he just had a, a vet visit, right? He just Yes, a... we have a vet that, that comes to your house. And uh, the vet came the other day. It was the veterinary assistant. They came over to check on the pod dogs, Lenny and Curtis. They both got clean bills of health. But what we were told about Lenny is that his his heart rate is like half what they would expect to see of a dog his size because he's like so relaxed. <laughs> and he was like, this is a very calm, confident dog. And I was like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Thinks he owns the place. Considering he had a rough start in life, it's pretty impressive and probably speaks highly of, of you guys that he is so happy and non, I don't know, an- anxious just laying around snoozing yeah living his best life pretty looking for that patch of sunlight what did he say about curtis's heart rate actually curtis's heart rate was also lower than he would expect so even though curtis is a nervous mess he um he has that going for him i guess he's scared of everything but it's it's not impacting his heart so okay well good yeah you know and they may barge in here any old second to ruin everything so keep your ears open for that i have a couple announcements or updates before we get started one 
is that I filled in for Mike on the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast. So if you're not sick of my voice, which it might be five of you, I don't know, you can hear even more of it on that podcast. It's me and Josh talking on episode... There, that was episode for them two hundred forty-two. Wow! So see, we don't we don't number our episodes like I that. Know. So I don't know how I, many episodes we've had. We out. are. I don't think we're at two hundred. We're definitely though. not. But we discussed the murderer John Addis, and because I got to pick my topic, uh, the Magic Rock. Nice. <laughs> Can you tell I got to pick my topic? <laughs> have they talked about the Magic Rock segment before in their podcast? Apparently, they had done it for Patreon. Oh, okay. So this so is a real I, treat for their listeners. So I brought it to the mainstream audience by just saying, well, I originally wanted to talk about the Minnesota Iceman, but they had covered that one. But then I was like, oh, obviously, Magic Rock it is. <laughs> I don't want to talk about something where people die. <laughs> I'm so at so the purple stuff which is my favorite podcast they did last year an unsolved mysteries episode but they only picked segments where like everyone was fine to talk okay. about and watching the 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 mysteries for today I was just so envious <laughs> I was Today's like oh, that mysteries would, are rough they're brutal and I was really I was one of those why do we do this don't know and so I was just like, man, I wish I was the purple stuff. Why'd I make my podcast exclusively about unsolved mysteries? Now I really do have to talk about these things. Wow. Bad choice. Bad choice. But um, yeah, make sure to listen to the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries episode. That was a lot of fun to talk about the Magic Rock yet again. Um, oh, the other very important update is that we've finally sold out. I know people that have been with us since the beginning have been waiting for this day because I really wanted those fucking Casper mattresses. I think our first episode, we demanded Casper mattresses. <laughs> Before we even talked about anything else, I was like, I'm here for mattresses. Well, that's apparently not enough. That doesn't get you mattresses. But we are going to be working with the app Repod which is a new podcasting app that is like coming out like right now. Like if you're listening to this, I think then it'll be officially launched. And its deal is that it is a, you can play podcasts, but you can also like talk about podcasts. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way. I feel like you want to recommend podcasts to other people. If you want to like talk about specific episodes, it's going to be really great for that. So I think you can interact with us, right? Like we have a yes. space in the app and you can join and interact with us kind of like a facebook group sort of but you don't have to have facebook which is nice yeah it has a like um group that kind of group function to it so it'll be kind of cool to try out i have gone in and claimed our podcast so if people want to interact with us there particularly if you don't have facebook then that's another way so how can they find us on the app? They just download Repod, right? It's Repod. Um, it's free. You can get it in the, you know, Play Store or whatever. And then, yeah, just search for Perhaps It's You on there. Nice. Look for our beautiful logo. And um, and you can be just, you know, shower us in praise. Oh, of like, course. Like, this is, this is the best episode I ever heard. Um, how can you be so beautiful and so witty? Stuff like that. I think would be really appropriate banter under mm. our podcast. 
you know we use the facebook group to solicit feedback you know a lot of times like i i feel like uh this might be a good way to connect if we have like i don't know if we need some suggestions or um oh for sure yeah we'll do polls about like merch or ideas for specials or stuff like that and it's good to get some feedback from the five um but yeah obviously facebook is kind of a barren wasteland now i'm not even sure i would still have it if it was not for the podcast so um this will pro this will be cool to see how this develops and whatever so, yeah check it out we finally sold out thanks repod thank you today's the day Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, praise be okay so we are talking about season seven, episode three today, yep. which you can watch on YouTube or Tubi or preferably not on Amazon, but it's there too. Hard to believe we don't get more sponsors. <laughs> you th- Maybe Amazon should pay me just to stop saying that every episode. Let Find out. Find out, Amazon. Find out how much that costs. <laughs> how do you, how much does it cost to get me to stop referring to Amazon as our over, evil overlords? I don't know. Throw out a number. Let's find out let's have let's start that conversation yeah yeah have your people call me because i have no people so (laughs) let's negotiate i bet it's not that much but i'm not gonna sell out in advance so where's my mattresses (laughs) where are they because we're oh god we started this so long ago you were still building the house yeah, that's and why I you needed were, a mattress. <laughs> and you were like, I need a, I need a mattress. I'm building a house. Because that, that was so long ago. What do, what do we need now? and gone. I feel like I haven't heard a Casper mattress ad. Is it just because I don't listen to enough podcasts? Are, those, are they yeah, still I don't a even, thing? I don't even know. Is it me undies now? Or is that also kind of I don't know. I'll, I'll take some undies. Whatever. Yeah, I'll take some underwear money. I'm not aware of anything explicitly <laughs> evil about them. I'll take it. <laughs> Amazon can fuck off, but I'll take some undies. <laughs> I'm not aware that me undies tells people to like drive directly into tornadoes and keep doing, <laughs> just keep delivering packages. So maybe they we do. don't know that they don't, but if they do, me undies knock that off. That's bad. <laughs> you you are the uh, okay, whatever. Wow, I'm just gonna start talking about our first segment. How about that? Right, How's that for it. a this, novel idea? Is this first segment the unexplained? Oh, no. It's a rare, elusive type of segment known as SciMed. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay. SciMed, yes. How many times? Okay, I'm not going to complete. I think this segment is decent, but how many times have we had this topic repackaged to us in different ways? I think people just like it, and it's easy and cheap. <laughs> and I like it, too. I like this segment. It was and good. I just kind of think that Solved Mysteries needs some new material, maybe. This is, we've wow. done this before several we've, times. We have totally done this before, and they do kind of allude to that at the beginning, and they were like, we've done this, but we wanted to look into it deeper. And you're like, you mean just do it again. <laughs> but, it's not really a deeper look, but yeah. But, I mean, no cars have to explode. No churches have to explode. I feel you're like right. this is a this pretty is low cheap budget. segment. And also, it's like kind of heartwarming. It's not uh, yeah, a bus full of orphans fell into a volcano, and no one knows what happened to their charred remains, which is how I felt about some of the rest of these segments. It's like, yeah, what happened to the 12 children that were possibly devoured by vultures? Let's find out. No, in this side med 
segment, this is what we're talking about. Here's a, here's a Robert Stack quote for you. Imagine meeting your child or a sibling. In reality, a complete stranger. After years of wondering what he or she is like. We have learned that in many cases, reunited family members have a surprising amount in common. More than can be explained by genetics or simple coincidence. We decided to take a closer look at this mysterious connection, this bond that seems to defy scientific explanation. And Samantha goes, this is not a closer look. You just did it again. <laughs> You're just rehashing old material. I don't know. You do know what? two people having this having the same glass hummingbird in their window? Okay. It's not even look? it's not even the same. Let's get to that one. <laughs> so this is the story of Don Larkin, who grew up knowing that he was adopted, but he was 44 years old before he located his birth mother, mother, Betty Landers. And we see a reenactment of him walking up to her house because because for even before they like officially met, he knew they had stuff in common. How? As Samantha alluded to, he saw a stained glass hummingbird and a crystal prism hanging in her window as he approached her house. And he was like, oh, I also have those things. And he, they show a picture of his window. Except they are not the same. He has like a different... It's not a glass hummingbird. It's like a thing you stick in a plant. And he has like a different crystal. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I don't know. remember exactly what year this was. Early 90s. You go find me an old lady who like in 1992 did not have a stained glass hummingbird and a prism in her window. I think both of my grandmothers did. I'm not impressed. That's because they, okay, that's because they had a, a, a secret psychic connection. Oh my God. That right. defies the bounds of space science ah uh, i'll wow. have you know they had a, a professor look at they brought this question to a professor this is yeah, serious I, I actually left that out but yes they did they wasted uh, some guy's time yeah no no he loved every second are you he kidding get to be the, on tv this was the highlight of his life and he brings it up at every dinner party um yeah we don't even get to hear more about this connection like is there anything else these people have in common we just hear about their window and i wrote that he's so impressed that his biological mother would also have a stained glass hummingbird and a glass prism that i wrote don doesn't get out much (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm just i feel like there's been very common items at the time that did i think that was the only the only it would be like if you were like i went to their house and it was also gray and it had a lot of shiplap and a sign that said live laugh love it was like we had this psychic and you're just like no that's everywhere that's everywhere that's not special liz you'll never believe this but i have a front door (laughs) and you have a front door what i know i know i I know we 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 actually had this front door yeah before (laughs) We were friends. Which this means that we were destined to be best friends. <laughs> it's so true. Oh my god, I'm just really moved right now. <laughs> um, we need to find is... a scientist to see if they can explain this. <laughs> um, yeah, they both lived in structures. Um, they both wore shoes on their feet. There were so many coincidences. They both knew how to drive cars. They had both eaten pasta at one time or another. Uh, it's clearly a psychic connection okay we hear nothing more about those people which i find hilarious like that's it that's all you get now we move on to Lori smith who was an only child in her household with her adopted parents but even at four years old she suspected that she had a sister out there somewhere 
She was actually so insistent about this that she got in trouble at school. She would like get into arguments with people saying like, no, I have a sister. And then being like, what are you talking about? No, you don't. I have a sister. Um, however, she did really have a sister. Her sister with the same name as her, Lori Stifler, was living in Alaska. Both of them had horses. They both played the flute and the guitar. And they both learned sign language. So kind of cool. I bet they're great pen pals. Sure. <laughs> Again, that's all you get. That is a much bigger coincidence than the hummingbird. Um, we're we're kind of like moving up in levels of coincidence as we go along. Mm-hmm. So Samantha is so not impressed. Everybody, she did you hear that? Mm-hmm. That was Samantha <laughs> being like, "Yeah, okay, yeah." I'm really impressed that they both like horses. A thing that like. Two horse girls found each other. It's beautiful. Imagine that. <laughs> they were both named Lori. Okay. A okay. kind of common name at the time. <laughs> they were both named Lori. They both played the flute. Did they name themselves don't usually... Lori? I don't that that's not evidence that they have a psychic connection. Look, they there was they had a lot <laughs> they in common. They didn't choose the name Lori for themselves. Wow. Okay. Let's move sorry, on. I'm sorry. I'll try and be more impre- impressed. Yeah, you're such you're such a <laughs> hater, Samantha. Um, now we're talking about Elizabeth Bersinetti, who grew up with her adopted family in Southern California. She had a she was a lifelong Francophile and loved learning languages. She really had this idea of her like studying in Paris and going to the Sabon and just being like real pretentious and in 1990 she went on to marry a man she met while traveling in Italy after that she began to have a series of shadowy dreams in which a woman she believed to be her birth mother was told she had cancer and wouldn't have long to live then one night after this dream she woke up crying with the belief that her mother was dead Elizabeth went to the adoption agency to request a reunion only to learn that her mother had already requested one and that her mother was French Canadian, which I have to say is not the same as being French, but whatever. (laughs) Um, She called only to find out that her mother had passed away. And when she was, she like knew this, she was able to guess the specific date based on the dream that she woke Mm -hmm. up crying. Okay. So she flew to Canada to meet her half sister, Sophie. And while she's there visiting with Sophie's family, she drew a house with some children. And everybody was like, why did you draw this weird house? Which in the like, reenactment is just a square. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just a square. Uh, I'd never she been in like, this house before, but I knew what it looked like. And it's literally a square with like a triangle sh- on top. <laughs> also, she was like, and the garage was on the wrong side. And I was like, of what? It can be on either side. Of like, what are you talking about, lady? But I guess it's not the way she would normally draw a house. She drew this house, and then everybody was like, why'd you draw this house? That's exactly like the house Sophie and your mom grew up in. Okay. Because she knew that. And, um, well, so it turned out her mom was French-Canadian, but she had, like, studied in Paris, and she had done all those things that Elizabeth had wanted to do. And upon leaving, a family member wanted Elizabeth to have her mother's favorite book, which was a book by a German poet. And as it turns out, that was one of Elizabeth's favorite books, and she actually had brought that with her on the trip, which is a pretty uncanny coincidence. Mm-hmm. Were you impressed by that one, Samantha? I was impressed by it, but also it was so sad. 
It is really sad. Her, like, she submitted a request to the adoption agency to like know who her birth mother was, and her birth mother submitted a request to to like be reunited like very close together but for some reason that like neither request either got processed and so they just continued on their lives for years not knowing that the other one wanted to see them and could have yeah like the adoption agency had both of their informations and could have connected them and then she ended up dead and before they could actually reunite it was so sad so what happened was in 1985 Elizabeth contacted the adoption agency to see what needed to happen to have a reunion. And she had to get the permission from her adoptive mother. And she was like, oh, I don't want to hurt my adopted mother's feelings. I'm not going to go through with it. And it turned out that her biological mother had submitted a request like days after that. Yeah. That she was unaware of. So if, if they could have connected at a time in 85, but she ends up not getting decide. She doesn't decide to ask for her adoptive mother's permission until five years later in 1990. And then when she does it, it's like just too late. Like she's barely just too late. It's so sad. Yeah. What I was also impressed by with this one is that it really seemed like her and her birth mother were so much alike. They look very they similar, look- which of, of course they do look like, I mean, obviously, but they look, basically exactly the same they they both had this interest in france and french culture they both pursued like the same interests which were like i mean i think pretty niche um they just seem like they she said that it seems like she and her mom live parallel lives and you can really see that like it goes it goes beyond them just having a family resemblance like it it seems like they it's this is just like a feeling i get but it seems like they're very similar in like a deeper level. So this one was more convincing to me, honestly, than the hummingbird in the window. <laughs> well, yes. There's a reason why they started with the hummingbird and led <laughs> up to this one. It seems like her, the family was very impressed when they met her. That it was like, oh, you guys have so much in common and you would have really gotten along. And I hope that that makes her feel like she shares something with her mother, even though she never had the chance to meet her while she was yeah. alive. And they that's like kind of a bond is that the stuff that she's interested in her mom would be but it is really sad yeah but it sounds like she had a good life with her adoptive parents and Uh i don't know anyway i liked it because we get a dream story in there and you know i'm a sucker for that and it's kind of a psychic dream i believe that this was a psychic dream i mean it's that's honestly too much of a coincidence she literally like the, the she calls her mom's house someone else picks up and is like oh you know i'm so sorry to have to tell you this i don't know how you knew her but she just passed away and she was like oh was it on the 28th or whatever date she had woken up from that dream crying and the person was like yeah how did you know that's weird that's eerie yeah it's very eerie so i enjoyed this segment you're right we've totally talked about it before but you know what if they want to do it again next season i'm up for it sure i mean we've done different versions of it we did the we did twins i think we've done another sibling one wait this what one was is... the the twins were an example of nature's whimsy yes. if anyone remembers <laughs> nature's <that> whimsy phrase <laughs> so good so um, good this is nature's whimsy part two Yes. You're you're the, the 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 family member you've been separated from is actually might be a lot like you. I mean, I think you could say like, oh, you know, she's related to her mother and like their brain is good at languages or whatever, but 
it does seem like very specific that it's like oh no we both like this one book by this german poet in fact i brought it with this trip with me yeah that's very specific anyway okay so that's cool but yeah we have done it before now samantha is going to talk about a uh very sad very weird wanted yes this is a wanted and we are asked did convicted murderer adam emery jump to a watery grave i honestly don't know what to think about this this is weird this one is this actually this whole story is wild so we are told that the newport bridge stands a majestic 219 feet above the oh god i'm gonna pronounce this wrong narragansett sure bay in rhode island uh, it's a big ass bridge i don't know Look, uh, people are so much more impressed by bridges than i am am i am i just really taking that like people are like what a feat of engineering and i'm like i got like sure but i've seen a bridge i don't is that (laughs) is that really bitchy of me it's like oh it's so majestic and you're like it's a bridge it's just a way to get from one side of the river to the other it's really okay this is a really tall bridge so i mean it is kind of cool how they could put something like that together i don't know that i would stand in awe of this bridge but if i was near it i'd be like that's a tall bridge it's cool. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm married to a man who would watch. Yeah, you're right. He he, he loves <laughs> uh, loves a feat of engineering. Yes, modern. He marvels. loves that phrase. Yeah, yeah. Every Nova about digging a tunnel. He is. <laughs> he wants to watch every single one. Probably has watched every single one. And I find it so boring. So I am on your side. I just don't. I don't know. I don't get the. I don't get that feeling of awe that clearly Robert Stack is feeling as he's talking about this bridge. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I saw the Hoover Dam and was kind of just like, yeah, that's a, that's a big dam. <laughs> Who cares? Not wow, me. It takes, wow, it takes a lot to impress Liz. <laughs> it really doesn't. It's just not that. So on the evening of November 10th, 1993, the bridge was the scene of a sobering discovery, which Robert Stack tells us is the latest twist in one of the state's most sensational murder cases. It's it's wild. So we're told that shortly before 7 p.m., a bridge supervisor and a state trooper, this bridge has a supervisor. I don't understand what that job is. It's not like a bridge that goes up and down, I don't think. Maybe just for, like, repairs and shit. I don't know. Probably more bridges need supervisors. That's, you know, you're, that's probably true, actually. I have um, no idea. As, as we've as stated, I have very little interest in Is he supervising the, the bridge? Or is he, su- I assume you're supervising, like, the people? I don't know. He's doing a bad job, though. But, because <laughs> these people maybe jumped off of it. Well, he supervised. He's a supervisor. He watched them jump off, <laughs> but he didn't stop them. That's not his job. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so, so the bridge supervisor and the state trooper investigated an empty car that was blocking one of the westbound lanes. The engine was running and the headlights were on. In the back seat were several articles of clothing, which were neatly folded. In the front, there was cash, cut-up credit cards, and a driver's license. So the uh, the uh, British supervisor's name was Robert Moorhead, um, and he thought that it was just an abandoned car at first. But I su- think people do just leave running cars with cash in them on the bridge. You know what? <laughs> You're right. This guy. Look, I don't know him. 
he does not seem good at his job. I don't think he was because it seems like if he had been supervising, he would have seen the people who left the car. <laughs> but you know what? He was on, it's a big bridge. He was on the other side. Um, so upon also, further, the man, the man has to eat lunch, you know, <laughs> take this a smoke the break. Of the night. <laughs> well, fine. Whatever his meal break. Okay. Is. Shortly before seven, maybe he was eating dinner yeah, or a smoke break. You're right. He takes a 15 minute smoke break every hour. So if things go on the, wrong in the bridge, they really have to go wrong in those other 45 minutes. Wow. These people really time this well. <laughs> So, <laughs> why is it funny to me just make up what this guy's job is? Because I don't get it. I, don't, I truly don't get it either. I don't know why a bridge needs a supervisor. All right, I'm going to look it up. You keep talking. Okay. So, when him and the, uh, the police officer investigated, they knew right away that it was the Emery's car. Um, these were fugitives on the run. Everybody was looking for the car. So, it seems like they had found it. Um, so Robert Sachs tells us that that anyone in Rhode Island would have recognized the name Emery. That very day, Adam Emery, the car's owner, had been convicted of murder. Though he was free on bail, Emery faced 20 years to life in the state penitentiary. Now it appeared that Adam and his wife Elena had found a way out of their impending separation by jumping to their deaths off the Newport Bridge. Uh, the apparent double suicide of Adam and Elena was shocking news, but soon authorities began to suspect that the Emerys were in fact alive. They believed the abandoned car was just the final touch in a well-planned escape to freedom. So, wait, first, did you find who, uh, what a, 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 a <laughs> yes. bridge supervisor is yes. before we go back in time? This position performs the inspection of bridges and supervises the construction, maintenance, repairs, and renewal of bridges. Okay. So it's not his job to look for abandoned cars. <laughs> no. Maybe we should cut him some slack. <laughs> He's not j- literally just standing on the bridge, supervising the bridge. Going, yep, it's a bridge. <laughs> and taking another puff of his cigarette. You know how they, like, they have those, um, those checklist sheets in, like, fast food restrooms. Like, who's who's cleaning this bathroom every hour, right? And it's just like, is it still a bridge? And he just checks it. <laughs> is it a bridge? Yep. <laughs> Takes another puff. Yeah, he's a busy man. <laughs> it's just a funny name. I feel like it should be like bridge maintenance supervisor or something. It really sounds like he's just supervising the bridge. Well, I'm guessing for most... <laughs> It's like more than one bridge, but maybe this town only has one. So, I mean, Rhode Island is a small place. I don't know how many bridges I, there are. I have no idea. Sorry to Rhode Island. <laughs> so okay. So now that we know what a bridge supervisor is, thank you for that. Um, we rewind the clock back to August thirtieth, nineteen ninety. This was three years ago, um, from the time that the. Emery's where their car was discovered. Adam Emery, his wife Elena, and another couple were stopped for dinner at a local seafood stand, the Clam Shack, or whatever that one guy (laughs) called it. Um, That sounds delicious. The Clam Stand. I I have no idea who called it. I have no idea who called it the Clam Stand, but. All right, it sounds a little bit dirty, but also (laughs) delicious. I would like to go. So they're at the clam stand. It was just before 9 p.m. when a car whizzed by and sideswiped Adam's car. It sped away and disappeared around a corner. This 
enraged the people in the car to such an extent that they started screaming that Adam should floor it and like chase down this car. This is such okay. Look, I'm <laughs> here in Minnesota. I'm gonna say this seems like extremely East Coast behavior to me <laughs> that I cannot relate to. What I are absolutely you gonna, cannot. What are you gonna do when you catch the car? What's the well, plan? We'll find, here? we'll find out what Adam's plan is. It's not good. Also. I'm at a clam stand. I just want to enjoy my dinner. Like, your, let it your go. Car, your, car would... is, your car is busted either way. Like, if you go bust some kneecaps, your car is still busted. Like, Yeah, and then yeah. you're just going to prison. Yeah, enjoy your lobster roll or whatever the hell it is. If and... I'm in the back seat of my friend's car <laughs> and he wants to go... Get him! Get him, Samantha! <laughs> Aggro and chase some guy down. I mean, let me out. Let me out. Go do what you want, but I'm gonna enjoy my fucking crab crab cake, and you can go do what you want. I am not spending. It's 9 p.m. I'm not chasing someone down. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. This is not Minnesota behavior. It's not very neighborly. Mm -mm. It is not. So this is. So they're not like us, and they decide to uh, chase down this But also, all four of them are, like, completely on board with this. They were. It's not like the driver is like, I gotta get that bastard. They're all like, revenge! Now! (laughs) Look at, they're, I don't know. They're, for some reason, they're they're eating lobster and uh, thirsty for some, I don't know, Fast and Furious style action. Look, they're friends for a reason. And that reason is that they go from zero to murderously angry in seconds. They literally, yeah, go from eating some some clam chowder to I'm going to stab someone directly in the heart. All right. I cannot relate. So the car they were, ch- they were chasing. Okay. It, it took. Okay. Also, the reenactment is hilarious because this guy, like, can't get out of this parallel parking spot. He has to, like... <laughs> Yeah, so like you know where you have to like it's back very, it up several it's, times. It's very kinda, like, tight. Yeah, you have it's to a inch tight out. <laughs> I don't know if this is how it actually was, but it did take them some time to like get going. And at that point, the car had sped away, so they saw a car in the distance. And Elena started like goading Adam, and she was saying, "That's the car. That's the car. Get him!" And so they <laughs> and do what, bitch? And do what? <laughs> get shot in the face, like. I mean, uh. th- this is not going to end well. I don't know what their plan was. So they started chasing this car, which was driven by 20-year-old Jason Bass. Um, his cousin was also in the car. His name was Joshua. I think they may have also had another friend in there with them. Um, they chase him down. At some point, they, they stop their car. There is a, a wild chase scene that happens in this reenactment where... Uh, the car driven by Adam and Elena and their friends are like weaving in and out of traffic and then poor Jason and his cousin and his friend are like what the fuck is going on with this dude and they do end up pulling over and Joshua the cousin describes um, Adam as getting out of his car yelling quote we'll kick your butt I'm gonna kill you uh, which he describes as major fighting words I'm guessing that's not what he said, word for word. <laughs> I'll kick your butt. Yeah, I, I think I think Joshua may have cleaned it up for for national TV. I'm guessing, but it is kind of hilarious. I'll kick also, your butt. I'll kill you. 
Also, we don't have a legal concept of fighting words in this country. And to my knowledge in the UK, like there are certain things that if people say to you and you punch them in the face, you can be like, well, yeah, but he called my mother a slag or whatever. And then they'll be like, oh, those for, those are fighting words. That makes sense. We don't have that. So it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter if the guy was like, I'm going to kick your ass. Legally, you don't get to just punch him in the face or stab him in the heart <laughs> that's not a thing well it was adam that was yelling this he was yelling the okay, fighting words okay i think uh jason joshua and their friend were just very confused they were like they're just the minding their own business going on driving yeah. down the street at 9 p.m and this guy just in an absolute rage just comes after them so it was at that moment that Adam pulled out a knife and jumped. So they're about to they're about to try and drive away because they're like, look, this guy is insane. And at that point, he pulls out a knife, jumps on the hood of Jason's car. Jason floors it and starts driving away. And while clinging to the car, Adam begins to slash through the open window at Jason with the knife. Why? I don't know. But Jason stops the car. Adam jumps off there at this point a crowd has gathered well yes if i saw that happening i would stop in my tracks are you kidding so a crowd is gathered poor poor jason opens the car door stumbles out and dies because he had been stabbed through the heart directly through the heart this this dude jumped on his car he's trying to drive away he stabs him through the heart I feel like that would be hard to do. I think it it would be very hard to do. I like guess not for Adam, but for <laughs> me, it would be very hard to do. If you're completely full of rage and hush puppies, then it's easy. But <laughs> I I don't know. That doesn't seem easy to do, to stab someone right through the heart. What is it about cars and driving that sends people into know. such a rage these stories really scare me because i'm convinced that despite driving like a minnesotan old lady and being like oh no oh you go (laughs) oh which is how everyone drives here by the way don't let i recently heard that people in fargo think that everybody in the twin cities drives crazy and nothing is funnier to me (laughs) that's a very very specific joke but that's it's because i really feel like everybody's like oh oh no oh no, you like I, as anyway. a whole, Minnesotans drive really slow. There are very, the outliers where you see someone, but but when you see that that crazy person like weaving in and out of traffic, I feel like everybody else on the road is like, "Wow, what's your hurry?" <laughs> and it, but these stories really scare me that somehow, despite driving like an old lady, that someone is going to get super mad at me, possibly not for anything that I did. And yeah, I'll end up stabbed through the heart or shot or like run off the road or something. It's terrifying. I do not get it. I don't get what about driving throws people into such violent rages. It's, I think I, I, it's probably a few things. Like, I think there's a lot of, you know, unchecked mental illness. But just to like where we're not giving people support that they need at all. Sure. But I also think driving stresses people out more than they admit and it comes out in these like weird ways you're right you're right that's just a theory 
Yeah, that is interesting to think about. I mean, I know it stresses me out, which I just respond to that by driving slower generally, but I suppose some dudes like this might have an opposite reaction. People that don't have like a healthy relationship with their emotions to begin with, I think it comes out in like these very aggressive, very unnecessarily and unhelpfully aggressive ways. Like, oh, I'll just grab onto the side of this moving vehicle and stab someone through the heart. <laughs> Jump on the hood Why? of a car that's trying to drive away. Why? Yeah. yeah it's not great. So like I said, there, a, a, like a small uh, crowd had gathered. Uh, in, a, in the crowd was Kevin Hopkins, an off-duty detective for the Rhode Island State Police. Um, he says when he arrived, the whole air about the scene was very spooky. He said it had a it had a haze and it was a warm summer night and it just had a spooky eerie feeling about what he was getting into. He pulled up thinking that it was just a motor vehicle (laughs) incident. And suddenly poetic cop (laughs) really set in the scene, set in the mood. I get the feeling that this was like a hot night. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like people are on edge when it's like, yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Sticky. And he pulls up thinking it's just like a a car accident and someone's stabbed through the heart. And this dude is like milling around. I don't know. It's that would be, I mean, honestly, it's kind of sounds spooky. So the tragedy of Jason's death was compounded by the facts that soon emerged. According to Detective Hopkins, Jason never so much as touched Adam Emery's car. So they did um, paint chip analysis on the damage to Adam's car. And it was not not the the right car. car. It's not the right car. It took them too long to get out of the spot. And the girlfriend saw a similar car and was like, that's the car. It's not the same car. It's not the same car. No. So that's great. Um, Not that it would have been better if he had stabbed (laughs) the person driving the car there are different ways to resolve this situation but yeah but imagine his confusion though just like what the fuck is happening this yeah this crazy dude is you also think that maybe they they could have looked at the car and been like oh that car's not doesn't have a scratch on it it's probably not them i'm not sure they were thinking clearly but clearly not i don't know why i don't think they had invented uh angel dust yet or bath salts (laughs) They had Angelus. I'm not sure bath salts was a thing yet. These people sound like they're on bath salts. I, Honestly, d- I cannot <laughs> explain this behavior at all. No. It's, it's bizarre. Do, so, did four people have roid weight rage at the exact same time? <laughs> while eating <laughs> while eating what was in that clam chowder? What was in the popcorn shrimp? Someone go investigate the clam shack. Someone needs to look into it because this is not normal. So Robert Sachs says those who knew Adam were stunned by the turn of events. Um, He had apparently never been in trouble with the law. I think that's just because he's like a white dude. I don't know. Um, Now Adam Emery stood accused of second degree murder. So we hear from a reporter who says that when he testified, he was very rigid. He never expressed any remorse for killing someone. He just said in a flat affect that he stabbed stabbed him in self-defense. You think you would show remorse, especially if you (laughs) stabbed the wrong person? As a total fucking stranger who did nothing to you. And his defense was like, well, I had to do something. It was basically like my friends were going to call me a chicken. I had to commit murder. (laughs) He he called it self-defense, but I, I, I... the. Jason was trying to get away. He was back. He was in his car trying to back up. So it doesn't really hold up. So your honor, I was double dog dared to commit that murder. (laughs) I had no choice. 
Well, it, it, acquitted. So yeah, yeah, he's like, well, fair enough. I don't want you to look like a pussy in front of your friends. The that trial- was his self-defense, basically. Like, I mean, it kind of was. Had, I had no choice. Like, um, <laughs> according to what? Like, according to what rules did you have no choice? You had several other choices. You had so actually. In fact, in fact, this was not an option, and yet you still did it. No one had a gun to your head telling you to stab that random guy through the heart. You could have just sat there and finished your clam chowder. He was hanging onto the side of a mu- moving vehicle in order to commit murder. There, It seems like you could not do that. I mean, do you not have insurance on your car? Like, he didn't he total your car. Just sit there and finish your, your clams. Enjoy your <laughs> evening. That would have been a choice you could have made. sit there and finish your clams. <laughs> Yes, yes, that is always an option. Clam chowder is always an option. If Murder, not so much. If those are the options, chase this guy down and stab him through the heart or sit there and finish your clam chowder. I, I mean, I feel like I would not go chasing someone down like this because I would be afraid they would mur- murder me. <laughs> but in this case, this guy was doing it to commit murder. Yeah. I, I don't know. I cannot relate. So the trial ended on November. <laughs> Samantha, Samantha has stabbed very few people straight through the heart. She stabbed, I, she stabbed me few. in the arm once, but it was not the heart. So <laughs> That was self-defense, though. I had no choice. You asked for an ice cream sandwich, and I said we were out. <laughs> you yeah, flew, justifiable. You flew into I think everyone will agree. You had no. You were really backed into a corner to chase me down the street. That's what anyone would do. You're so right. <laughs> well, to make matters worse, I ate the last one. So exactly, yeah. exactly. You're lucky I didn't stab you through the heart. But you missed. <laughs> I got my name. arm. I got okay, my I never heart in the way of my heart, so you just stab me in the arm. Well, I don't know where the human heart is. I <laughs> is it in the I, arm? I got close. Yeah. Yeah. So the trial ended on November tenth. You're, you're not a doctor. No, well, you can expect me to know where the heart is. <laughs> yes. Okay. The trial. So, not surprisingly, Adam Emery was found guilty of second degree murder. Now. Uh, inexplicably the judge decided he could be he could remain free on bail pending formal sentencing which was to happen (laughs) a month later so basically this guy who was facing 20 years in prison was given a month to just like wander around free aka just like plan your escape i mean i don't know what else you would do (laughs) uh samanda he had to get his affairs in order I don't know don't if you, you know this, but before white people someone? go to before white people go to prison, we have to get our affairs in order. Right, right. You Other- would you would expect to forfeit that right when you stab someone through the heart, but people that don't benefit from white supremacy, they're never given that time. I guess they don't have affairs to get in order, but when white no, people commit they murder, sit- they have to like you know they have to figure out who's gonna like handle the laundry and like walk their dog. Oh my god! Like yeah, if you're not white, you sit in jail denied bail for like i don't know allegedly stealing a pencil or something yeah exactly while you wait like two this years guy, for your trial this, this guy is convicted of stabbing someone through the heart 
and they he were gets like a month to go plan his escape yeah so that is cool our justice system works great um by nightfall that evening both adam and elena were dead or so it seemed after police found the car they be- so uh, i'm kind of impressed with elena being so ride or die like she literally saw this guy murder someone i kind of at her provoking a little bit and she's still with him not only is she still with him but she's apparently willing to jump off a bridge for him if they can't be together in life i guess they'll elena move on yeah this is not romantic elena someone else can can take you to the clam shack <laughs> it doesn't need to be this guy <laughs> so there's other i assume there's other guys in rhode island i i assume so and they probably like clams <laughs> i mean some of them yeah some or just go by yourself i don't know probably better off okay so after so he's convicted that morning he gets to walk away if still a free man um while he waits sentencing and that evening is when they found the car on the bridge um so they left the courthouse around 3 p.m um elena and adam a half hour later the emery's showed up at a local sporting goods store joel smith the store's manager was working that day did you give this guy's mustache a name i am dying to hear oh my god i didn't okay this guy has the like tallest mustache i've ever seen i don't know he has a real big space between his nose and upper lip but i it's like two mustaches stacked on top of each other huh what should we call it then the double decker i think we've done that before i'm going with double slender man all right, I'm into it. It was kind of thin. It was just so tall. I don't understand. Like, it's it's like a square almost. It's like tall, almost as tall as it is wide. I don't like that at all. I, I didn't like it. But so Joel Smith works at the sporting goods store. Um, he said uh, that she didn't seem nervous. She was smiling and talkative. Um, it didn't seem like there was anything on her mind or anything that she had planned. So she didn't mention that she was about to commit love pack suicide. She didn't. So. Which I often do when I'm at a sporting goods store, but then I remember that I can leave the sporting goods store and the urge to kill myself leaves instantly. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. Where so it's like, he- Liz, just walk out of the sports authority. You don't have to be here. And then I'm like, oh, the will to live is back. Great. I often, yeah, if I find myself at a sports authority, I... I love pack suicide starts looking real good right you're like That's i can't true. deal with this another minute but then what's, you just leave what's the sporting goods store that also has all the taxidermy is that like dick sporting goods or what uh, cabela's cabela's that- yeah if you find me in a cabela's uh, just get me out of there i'm not in a good place <laughs> if, if you you no, you're literally not in a good place you're in a literally cabela's. i'm in a cabela's i'm not in a good place physically i'm not in a good place mentally <laughs> Wrap Samantha in one of those tinfoil blankets and walk her outside. Maybe put put a Capri Sun, start squeezing it into her mouth, <laughs> get that blood sugar back up. Yeah, for yeah that's it's a cry for help. It is. So they bought sweatsuits, athletic socks, and six and eight sorry eighty pounds of strap on exercise weights, which is not that much, really. No, but it is a little odd. It's a little odd. Curiously, the salesman reported that Adam was disturbed by the total of the bill. 
which to the police meant that like they weren't suicidal because they were concerned about saving money. This guy just seems like the type. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but he just he, if he was that mad about someone like <laughs> denting his car. I guess I'm not surprised that he was like snippy with the salesman about how much 80 pounds of strap on exercise weights cost. <laughs> He seems like a cheap ass dick. Yeah, you're right. No, you're totally right. He was willing to stab someone through the heart because they damaged his car. Like, okay. This is not surprising to me. He doesn't have a good, um, he's not good at keeping things like in in perspective at all. So, (laughs) yeah. This some Chicago paper recently ran. They somehow this was considered newsworthy that this like suburban boomer guy went to a Chipotle and it was like slightly more expensive than the last time he went to a Chipotle. And so he just turned around and walked out. Somehow that was like a news story. Uh-huh. Anyway, it, it had to have been like twenty cents. Like it's not yeah, like the price of just... a burrito has gone up that much. <laughs> no. He's like, I go here like four times a year. Oh, I can't believe I can't believe these price increases. And yeah, everybody in the comments was like, it's gone up 20 cents. Like, <laughs> what, is, what is this guy's problem and why is this news? But there is just a stab that completely worked through the heart. <laughs> but there is just a sort of person that's just like perpetually angry about things that do not matter. Yeah. And Adam and could, seems like the type. Yes. He's just mad about things that he's buying costing money and you're kind of like yeah that's how that works i hate you're... capitalism too i'm sorry also it's not like you're buying a you're buying 80 pounds of exercise weights oh my god All a right. friend of mine used to work at a coffee shop and this is the same person if, if you remember there's no water and ice story same same person <laughs> But someone, like, once picked up a, I don't know, like, a Rice Krispie treat or something and asked how much it was. And when she told them, they threw it at her head. What? Yes. Like, she sets the prices? Yeah, like, she gives a fuck. But apparently, <laughs> oh it was, God. the price was deemed unacceptable. And, yeah, they just they just threw it at her. What is wrong with people? So that's the time you want to tell you want to tell that person off but you also don't want them to come over the counter and stab you through the heart exactly people are on edge yes we are not okay as a nation no this is something even before that was you know like a decade before covid much less now oh my god so an hour later at 4 45 p.m adam and elena pulled up to the newport bridge The previous hour, they had been observed calmly dining at a fast food restaurant, which also seemed out of character for a couple bent on suicide. I'm I'm not. I don't know. I'm not having my last meal at a fast food restaurant, though. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe. Which fast food restaurant? What fast food restaurant would would you choose if you had to for your last meal? I'm going with fried chicken. I was just about to say fried chicken would be probably my chicken. That's actually that's actually fine for a last meal. But if I'm not eating like motherfucking Burger King for my last meal. You're not you're not getting McNugs. No, not chicken for a last Mc- meal. Not no. chicken McNuggets. You're going to go through the mm. drive-through. <laughs> and then find out they don't have honey and then be <laughs> sad when I have stupid barbecue sauce. No, that's not how I'm spending my last meal on earth. Oh, it's absolutely when they off- they offer you honey mustard. They're like, we have honey mustard, and then you want to go, well, that's a completely different thing. But you Just- don't, because you're a sensible person, and you know that they don't stock condiments. And so you go, oh, no no thanks. I guess I'll have barbecue sauce instead. Yeah. 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 I, I'm yeah. not, that's, I don't want to spend my last night on earth that way. 
Not if I know I'm going out. No, that's no. true. So uh-huh. at 4.50 p.m., eyewitnesses recall seeing the Emery's on the walkway of the bridge. By 5.15, Adam and Elena had driven away. Two hours later, their car was found back on the Newport Bridge. Apparently, the Emery's had returned to the bridge, but what happened to them is still a mystery. Because so, some bridge supervisor is not doing their job. Look, we, obviously, we need two bridge supervisors. <laughs> yeah, One to supervise the bridge. One to supervise, one to the, supervise supervisor. the supervisor. <laughs> He needs a manager. That's yeah, what we're learning. Problem. Yeah, we need yeah. middle management on the, that bridge. So <laughs> bad man, bad bridge management. I need to see this bridge's org chart. We got some work to do. All right, the search for the bodies of Adam and Elena Emery was one of the most extensive in the history of Rhode Island. In the end, not a single scrap of evidence was recovered from the bay. So we see parts of this uh, search unfold. They have like dogs on the water, like hanging over the side of boats to like try and sniff out the bodies. It's very. I've never seen that before. Yeah. Um, Detective Hopkins um, recalls a taped conversation that Adam and Elena were having in the courtroom following Adam's guilty verdict. So we see this. There's like. Because this was like a really like salacious um, case in the media, there were all of these reporters outside the courtroom after the verdict had been handed down. And there's footage of Adam and Elena having a conversation and we can't hear what they say, but you can clearly see them talking to each other. He decided to take that tape to someone who was hearing impaired and someone who was... uh, skilled in reading lips. And he asked her if she could interpret what um elena says and i will say that like i know nothing about reading lips i it's a very clear video um it's not blurry whatsoever you just can't hear anything um she is like turned to the side i would be really interested like to hear like if that makes it harder um to read someone's lips the woman that he had watched the video says that she was able to get a very clear uh, like she was able to clearly see it. Um, and she says that Elena told Adam, quote, we're going to do what we originally said you promised me. So it seems like they had a plan. Um, but the, what the, that doesn't really shed any light on what the plan was, because it could have been a desperate suicide pact or it could have been a, a scheme to fool the authorities and run away. Like, we don't know what the plan was. Um, this guy either got dared into murder and then dared into suicide or <laughs> dared into uh yeah a life on on the run right on the lamb you might say um months after the emery's disappeared a fisherman working in the bay found two human leg bones in his net that's a weird day Clinging to one was a fragment of a sock uh, that was identical to the socks purchased by Adam and Elena. Authorities compared the DNA sample from the bone with DNA samples of both Elena's mother and sister, and it was a match. Um, So it does seem like they found Elena's bone. Um, They did look at the other leg bone, and they thought that maybe it belonged to Adam, but it was shorter than what you would expect based on his height. So I think that was inconclusive. Um, We are told that a few weeks later, Detective Hopkins responded to a call from the harbor where um, another piece of grim evidence was discovered. This was a skull. Um, And it had been found in the East Passage of the Bay, and it was positively identified as that of Elena Emery. So Elena uh, most certainly had jumped off the bridge to her death, but to date, there's been no trace of Adam. Um, 
now it could have just washed away but it, it does leave a lot of questions open like i oh, really don't like a I really dick don't know. could he have tricked elena into like i don't yeah. know but there is no update i looked at unsolved mystery unsolved uh wiki and there's there's been no update i i kind of think that they both jumped to their death but i don't know it's it's interesting it's a very mysterious one um there's there's twists and turns and yeah you don't get a very satisfying conclusion because it's probably more likely that they both jumped but maybe not maybe he pushed her or maybe he said he was gonna jump and she jumped and he just walked away um as you don't really know he was declared legally dead in 2004 but the fbi placed him back on their wanted list in 2010 so do they have some evidence that he could have still been alive? Or they want to they want to catch a zombie? Yeah, I don't know why they he was declared <laughs> legally declared dead. dead. They must have had some reason to put him back on the list. I don't know. That's very strange. We don't know what oh. it is. So okay, that I, one I, was I, wild. I don't We have another This one is also weird and depressing. And I don't know what to think about this one either. It's another Heavy one, on but... the depressing. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching this last night and um uh, was telling Mac what it was about, and then he was like, "Well, good luck making your little comedy show. That's depressing <laughs> as hell." There's also only three Thanks, mysteries Jack. in this one, and this one is so long. It's very long. So okay. buckle up. <laughs> this takes place in Lockhart, Texas, back in December 27, 1993. Jack White, not the famous musician, arrives at his daughter's house in a panic. Patricia White, a 38-year-old nurse, had not been seen in the past 24 hours. She had not arrived at work or called in, which was extremely unlike her. Her father entered her house and found her dead in her bed, and I just feel so terrible for him. It's very, very sad. She had been shot six times in the head with a twenty-two caliber weapon. She left behind two children. I um, am under the impression they were not in the house at the time. Okay. So, there were no signs of struggle in the house. Her live-in boyfriend was also missing. Lee Walker Hagen Jr., known as dub dub yep lee walker hagen jr how do you get the name dub i don't know he worked as a trucker also missing was his nine-year-old son chance i don't know why that makes more sense but it (laughs) seems like a trucker name it's to be known it just does something about hagen jr is very funny to me but i don't know why Okay, so his son, Chance, was nine years old. He had been visiting for the Christmas holidays. His mother had um, custody most of the time. So, <laughs> I see, and this changes throughout the segment, but what I wrote down in my notes is, Sheriff wonders if Dub is also a victim, because apparently he was born yesterday. But, <laughs> you know what? The, the, the thing thickens. Three days later, they found Dub's pickup truck abandoned in Austin, Texas, which is about 30 miles away. In the cab of the truck was an unfired hunting rifle, his checkbook, and his wallet. In the back were tools and Christmas presents, all sprayed with blood. Um, they did not have DNA testing, but this was not Patricia's blood type. And in fact, two blood types were found. So we hear from both families. Patricia's family naturally thinks Dub is guilty. Dub's family naturally thinks he's innocent. At the time of the murder, they had been living together for six months. He was a jealous and suspicious man by nature. We get a reenactment of some of their fights. Dub's ex-wife, who's Chance's mom, says that she left him because she was scared to death of his temper. So, yeah. 
Um, we get a longer reenactment of a fight they had right before the murder, which had something to do with Chance staying with them and maybe like his behavior in the house. Um, I did name the mustache on the re- the actor who plays Dub in the reenactment mm. worse than murder. Okay. I hate <laughs> that mustache. It's terrible. It's kind of grimy. It's very grimy. It has like. It's almost like a bat shape, like an emaciated bat, <laughs> emaciated bat. It has like really That's what you like, want stuck to your face. <laughs> it has very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like very straight vertical sides, but then it's like kind of wispy. In the I don't know. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Okay, so anyway, um, they had this big fight a few days before the murder. However, they were also seen the night before she died having a friendly meal at a restaurant so i don't know um we hear from dub's dad who says that it can't be him because he's scared of blood i okay yeah that's not really evidence of anything um patricia's family is like convinced that dub's family is helping him like be on the run and give them money and they're like no not only are we not doing that he's not capable of murder so we also hear that chance's maternal grandfather got a phone call about five months later from a child yelling help me help me before the phone was slammed down was this chance or was it a horrible hoax who would do something like i yeah the thing is that's not a joke people now think that that's a hoax so someone out there was willing to do that and I hope you go straight to hell. This whole story is bizarre. Yeah. Please fall in a well and never get out if you were the person that did that phone hoax. Okay. Um, so well, most of the segment is Dove's family wanting to you to believe them that their son is not a murderer and that they haven't heard from him. Um, when I first watched this, I was like, well, obviously it's the abusive, angry boyfriend who suddenly went missing. But this is unresolved. Oh, sadly, also, Dub's father committed suicide in 1999. Oh, my God. After learning that he had cancer. So that man that you see a lot in the segment is now dead. Um, for years, authorities believed that, that Dub and Chance had fled to Mexico shortly after Patricia's murder. But their whereabouts weren't unknown. In spring 2006, authorities reinvestigating the case found evidence that Dub and Chance had also met foul play. They no longer believed that Dub was responsible for Patricia's murder. It was believed that it was a crime of passion and that all three were murdered by someone closely associated with the family. The new person of interest in the case is Latricia's ex-husband. The two were involved in a custody battle prior to the murder. Dub and Chance's disappearances and Patricia's murder remain unsolved. So the evidence that they're kind of obliquely referring to, what I could find out, is that the blood in the back of Dub's truck is from two different people who are related. Mm. So it seems like they were either killed in the truck or they were moved in the truck. Sure. And that maybe their bodies were moved to make it look like Dub had killed Patricia and nobody would look for this guy um and then nobody really thought about the custody battle because dub was missing um if you want to read more about this it is on the unsolved mysteries wiki that led me to a blog called lost and found blogs um that did a like more in-depth story about it 
kind of focused on like what happened to Chance, the nine-year-old son, and how the mom had like really been hoping he was out there somewhere, but has had to accept that he's probably dead. And it's so fucking sad. Ugh. It's so intensely sad because, well, I mean, obviously, but also like she had primary custody of Chance and he was just visiting for the holidays and he had called his mom to say he was having such a good time and could he stay a few more days? And she said yes. And it just like fucking haunts her. Oh, I hate it. I know. It's really, really sad. So, and I, I honestly don't know what to make of this. It does kind of, I was convinced Dub was guilty. And it does kind of sound like it might be this other abusive person from Patricia's past. Ugh. What a bummer. <laughs> it's really, really sad. And then my last note is if you like off white cowboy hats, this segment is for you. Wow, I love off white cowboy hats. <laughs> well, you'll love this super depressing murder story. My favorite thing ever. Well, that's the end of this episode. <laughs> Glad to Oh my god, those poor people. But it just you see how this this act of severe violence ruins multiple families. Like yeah. Dub's family is ruined, Patricia's family is ruined, Chance's family is ru- like oh, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. It just has this huge effect on everyone, obviously. Ugh. But yeah, it's unsolved. We don't really know what happened. We just know that Samantha loves off-white cowboy hats. Okay, so let's rate this really let's depressing episode. Do it. So our first category is mysteriousness. I have to say, thumbs couldn't be higher. First one is like a little eerie with Elizabeth's story. Not the hummingbird part, but Elizabeth's connection to her mother was a little bit eerie. But the other one, too, I honestly am not quite sure what I think of what happened. Like, there is ambiguity there. Yeah, I was pretty convinced that he must have jumped with his wife, but the fact that the FBI put like put him back on their most wanted list in 2010 really makes me think like they have reason to believe that he didn't die. That he so. had like money hidden somewhere or he just right. like went right. somewhere else. Yeah, it's a little hard for me to believe that I don't think Dub had like a lot of financial resources. Um, like they were saying like, oh, it would have been easy for him to get out of town because he was a trucker and he like knew other truckers and that's believable, but it's been a long time at this point for him to like, they were like, well, he ran off to Mexico and I was like, maybe, but like no one's seen him this entire time. It's a little more believable to me that, that the other guy is still out there somewhere, but yeah, I don't know. I know. Very mysterious. Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up. Reenactments. I'm going to say thumbs up. Like the reenactments in the Adam Emery case were pretty good. Like yeah. the car chase. Yeah. Everything else. Like I think they were pretty decent. If you want a reenactment of a guy seeing a stained glass hummingbird, man, oh man, there's only one place to go. <laughs> this episode. This episode has it all. Yeah, thumbs up. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Fashion? I mean, cowboy hats. Yeah, that's right. There was an off-white cowboy hat. There was that really tall mustache. Several. I think everybody in the sheriff's department in Texas wears these, like, 
kind of large for I don't know if it counts as a 10 gallon hat but like kind of <laughs> large for a cowboy hat with no like band I, they're very weird to me they look like a drawing of a cowboy hat that's somehow on a real person's head um yeah you get like a tiny bit of western wear I don't know it's, it's sideways it's okay yeah I don't know I mean uh, we saw we saw a mustache so bad I called it worse than murder so maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe not so I Let's just go sideways. I don't let's, know. Let's go with sideways. Um, Robert Stack? I barely remember him. Yeah, I, I don't think anything stood out to me about his performance. He got kind of overshadowed by these um, sad tales. and There are some. Like, he is in more episodes. I feel like they must... His contract must have stayed. Like, he's not in all of these episodes. Like, there's some where he's just at the beginning, and then we. I don't think we see him again until the end. I wonder then, if he gets edited out when they like maybe make the thing for Amazon because I don't know. Maybe he's just like talking about commercial breaks and other things that are not relevant anymore. Yeah. Cause, yeah, this is one of those episodes where I feel like he's not really in it that he's, much. Like, other than his, his his narration. So I'm gonna say thumbs down for him. Me too. All right, on our Robert Stack scale. I mean it's good. I thought especially the Adam Emery case was really interesting and weird. Um, your first I, one I did like. Even I think in terms of mysterious, original. you kind of can't get two like true crime cases that are more like who knows, right? I, so I'm I'm gonna go with like a three. I mean, we only get three mysteries. We get an unnecessary update at the end. Is it a three or is it a three and a half? I'd say at least three and a half. I think so too, just because I I, th- I found the cases really interesting. I think this is a pretty, we've gotten a pretty solid start to season seven, and I feel like this is still still going strong. I, yeah, I wish we hadn't had the unnecessary update. I wish they had thrown in, like, a stolen ruby or something. But um, otherwise, I don't really have any complaints. I mean, I wish these horrible things hadn't happened. Robert Stack, travel through time, prevent these crimes. That's the next step in the, these shows. I agree. It's not enough to tell us that true crimes are ha- have happened. Like, we know it's made us paranoid, whatever. Now we need people to travel through time and stop them. <laughs> Get on it. Netflix, come on. I think that's the next level in entertainment. I agree. <laughs> okay, so that kind of brings us to the end, huh? That's Just- it. This is where we recommend stuff. Shoot. Do you okay. have something to recommend? Oh my god, I'm not prepared. Okay. I'm going to uh, recommend a product. And this goes back to when I was working at a salon before the pandemic started. But um, this is a recommendation for anyone else that d- dyes their hair weird colors. If you dye your hair um, vibrantly, uh, you probably know that that doesn't last very long cruelly and also that you're supposed to like wash your hair in um horrible freezing cold water to make it last the tiniest bit longer and i refuse to do it because well, i don't yeah, know does like, anyone actually do that i've never dyed my hair but i can't imagine it would I be think worth people it do, and uh, it's just life is too short i refuse to be that miserable um but you know if you it, like a like a natural hair color, like black or whatever, that's permanent. That lasts a lot while. But if you want to dye your hair pink or something like that, it's only semi-permanent and it comes out a little bit each wash and then you have to go do it again or like professionally or touch it up yourself, um, which is a huge pain in the ass. So I am recommending a shampoo that I have found 
for whatever reason, like barely fades the color at all. And Ooh. it's extremely helpful if you have hair color that you don't want to touch up all the time, which is me because I am lazy. So this is from the company called Innersense Organic Beauty. And this, I kind of hate this. It's not called a shampoo. It's called Pure Harmony Hair Bath. What? Okay. I kind of hate that too. It's but if shampoo. it works, it works. I would never would have tried this if we didn't have it where I work where I worked. But it's very effective. I have never used a shampoo for color treated hair that actually takes out like nothing. Like oh. usually, particularly those first few washes, you like you take your hand back and it's like the color of your. You're like, oh, there's all my pink dye or whatever. It's all just washed out. This like takes out like none of it. It's kind of miraculous. Now. A 10-ounce bottle costs $28, and that's oh, a lot. Yeah. But it also costs a lot of money to keep dyeing your head. So I think, actually, it's worth it. It's an investment, yeah. Because it preserves it. You'll have to do it less often or go to the salon less often. It's certainly cheaper than that. And um, it's just less hassle. And yeah. I wouldn't recommend it if it didn't work. Um, I think that it is worth it. I think it saves you money in the long run, but I also understand that's like a shit ton for shampoo. While I'm recommending this product, the Pure Harmony Hair Bath, I do not, under any circumstances, recommend their conditioner. Okay, good to know. Don't get that. You don't need a matching conditioner to this. Just get this to wash your hair, preserve your color, and then use whatever fucking conditioner you're already using. It's fine. Because, at least for my hair type, that conditioner is so fucking thick. Like, you might as well just, like, leave coconut oil on your hair. Okay, not good. Like, it makes my hair so... It makes my hair look, like, dirtier. And it's also... (laughs) Like, the we had, like, the big bottles of the salon with, like, the pump on top. And it was so thick, it, like, wouldn't go through the straw. Hmm. Like, I I don't even understand this. It, like, basically doesn't work. I don't. I don't know why the shampoo is so good and the conditioner is so bad, but I would never use this conditioner. I use, have a bottle of it. I use it to shave my legs. I'm never putting it on my hair again as long. Okay. As well. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> but the the shampoo is kind of a miracle, okay. and I do recommend it. Samantha doesn't need this product at all. She has naturally beautiful colored hair, so she can just live a life of beauty. <laughs> But I, I feel like I've never had to worry about. I sure. feel like someone else listening to this podcast will be like, I dye my hair green and that would be helpful. So this recommendation is for you, friend. And yeah, not for beautiful Samantha. <laughs> I'll use that horse shampoo that you can buy at Target. Yeah, you'll go. You'll have beautiful horse hair. <laughs> That's a okay. really good recommendation. Honestly, I feel like. I need a recommendation for shampoo. I'm not just going to go to the store and pick one. That's far too risky. I need someone to like tell me one is good. I don't know if I'm, I feel like other people are like that too. I, I really, at least for my hair type and obviously everybody's hair is different. This has works so well. And if, if I ever like don't have weird colored hair, I wouldn't keep using it because of the price. But I think if you do invest in hair color, then you should probably get the shampoo to like keep it around longer. I because I had my hair salon dyed green in October, and it's still basically all in there. Like at this rate, it's gonna grow out before nice. it's gone. And I bought like 
green stuff to retouch it. I haven't used it yet. That's actually kind of weird. Hmm. Okay. Nice. Anyway, that's my recommendation. That's a great recommendation. So I have a recommendation that might be a little niche, but I was honestly <laughs> unlike, struck- unlike sh- expensive shampoo. Go on. Well, I feel like. I don't know. Probably a lot of people listening to the show dye their hair. So that's a good recommendation. (laughs) Um, This, I was honestly struggling to come up with a recommendation, but I realized that I do want to endorse this company. I I know we have listeners out there who are crafters because we have a Facebook group. I think it's perhaps it's you who want to see the my craft or something. I don't know. Search on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find our spin-off group for, it's for you. crafting. Crafts crafty. is crafting. It might be perhaps it's crafting. Anyway, it's a great group. You should join it if you are a, a, a perhaps it's you listener and you craft. Um, so I know they're out there. And I want to tell you that if you're not already, you should label the things that you make. Uh, especially if you're giving them as gifts. But even if you're keeping mm. them for yourself, you're look at we're all gonna die this stuff is gonna end up in a thrift store someone is gonna want to know like who made this it's um, true that's 100 percent true so you should be labeling your stuff and i have always made handmade labels but i hate my handwriting i don't know no matter what pen i use even if it says it's like color fast and won't won't smudge in the wash it always does um so i decided i was going to invest in some like customized labels And someone I, I, a a quilter that I follow on YouTube um, recommended these labels from a company called Ever Emblem. I believe this is a Canadian company. Um, I like them because one, they have a lot of different designs. Um, They have a lot of different types of labels. So depending on what you're making, they have like the satin foldover labels. They also have ones that are kind of, that are really small. So if you make small things like, um, I don't know, bowl cozies or maybe like a small crocheted item or something. You can get these little tiny labels. You can get bigger ones for like a blanket or a quilt. I've ordered um, twice from them, actually. And I like that they have so many different types of labels and designs to choose from. They also, their website makes it really easy to customize your label. Like you just select the one you want and then it has the fields that you can type into, like what you want it to say. And then in real time, it'll update the preview and show you what your label will look like. So I got some labels that have like my name on the front, like handmade by my name and like a little design. And then on the flip side, it has like washing instructions. Um, Oh, so cute. And you can type those in. Um, You don't actually have to like, like a lot of times when you're ordering custom labels, you have to like contact someone and tell them what you want and they send you a mock-up and that's fine. And I'm sure people um, get great results from that. But this I found extremely convenient. They also like, you don't even need an account for it to like, remember, like I paid with PayPal and it remembered my checkout instruct my checkout thing I don't know whatever and so if I want to go in and reorder labels like it's all in my little thing and I can just reorder them um I really like they're really they seem high quality I've sewed them into a few different things um highly recommend uh, I'm looking at this Bigfoot quilt you made me label list I know I should have I should have taken my own advice and labeled that the problem that I have with that Bigfoot quilt is that I didn't finish it myself I had it professionally finished and I know you can still attach a label, but I was too afraid to like damage it <laughs> by attaching a label to the quilted part of it. But I'm a little more advanced in my skill now and probably probably could attach a label. What will people think when they come to my estate? Well, I guess I'll be buried in this. So 
I'll be buried with the quilt. I assumed people would be fighting over it when I was dead and they would want to know, you know, the provenance, but yeah, it'll actually be in my casket. So I feel like I've come around on labeling. I, I haven't historically taken my own advice. I've labeled some things and labeled other things like that. I didn't label. Um, but there's been some like hashtag discourse in the quilting community lately oh. about like quilt quilting like about people that make clothes out of antique quilts. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's been this huge uproar. Like someone posted a video. I mean, you could find it on Instagram if you. It's it's a whole thing. Um, but one of the th- uh, comments I saw when I was reading through the drama because I love some dra- I love me some drama. <laughs> I love reading the comments. Someone was like. Um, I don't know. They had a take on it or whatever. But one thing that they said was like, like all of our shit is going to end up at a thrift store. <laughs> like, sorry about it. You have no control over what someone does with your shit after they get it from a thrift store. But they were like someone that was, I don't know, a collector of antique quilts. And they were basically like, label your shit. Like people are going to want to know like, what year was it made? Who made it? Who did you make it for? Like put that stuff on a label and put it on your, because someday someone is gonna is gonna want to know i feel like it's it's very similar to we talk about our our favorite um graveyard historian sue yeah saying that you you know you need a marker you need to leave behind a marker like even if you don't really particularly care how you're buried or cremated or whatever like leave behind a marker because someday your relative is going to do like a at-home dna test and is going to want to find out you know they're going to want to visit you and see like you know who you are or whatever so i feel like it's it's very similar to that um so do as i say not as i do and label your stuff (laughs) well i feel like i mean there's so much more we could say about this and maybe we'll have to start a quilt podcast but um just textile work as being seen as women's work and historically undervalued i think people are sort of feel like they're not supposed to label it like they're like you're almost like not supposed to take credit for all of your oh yeah design and hard work and whatever so fuck that no i saw this tweet that was like i feel like you had liked it so you might know what i'm talking about um that might be why i saw it but it was this tweet from someone who like and i had never heard this before but it's this concept of like like a selfish project like like a a project that you make to keep for yourself is selfish like you're supposed to be giving away your hard work for free and if you don't it's selfish it's like it's like an old-fashioned phrase from um you know back when like laundry took a whole day but um but the idea of selfish sewing was when when you finally eked out some time to make something that you personally wanted and was not for like your children or your husband and right, that, or to, that, to give to someone as a gift yeah for Christmas yeah or whatever that that was that it was for something just for you and that almost like instead of it being just part of your chores that was yeah selfish time and that that attitude and sewing still kind of like persists a little bit so yeah um you are allowed to make something for yourself and take credit for it yes and put your name on it put your name on it yes and then maybe it won't be just you know thrown in a dirty old box that says 25 cents on it at the thrift (laughs) store who knows someone's gonna make it into a fanny pack which i will and Fine. also, I don't know if you want to make my if I die, you want to make my quilt into a fanny pack. Look, I would rather it be a fanny pack than be in a landfill. I mean, I'm assuming most of those quilts are damaged in some way. They, anyway, yes, they are <laughs> like, unfortunately, things do get damaged. Um, oh, th- it's just funny that like 
people who don't know anything about art and you'll see this on like American pickers or something. They'll like find a piece of art and they'll be like, well, is it signed? And you're kind of like, bitch, anybody can just sign something. Like that doesn't mean that it's valuable, but like people take that as a sign of value that yeah. like that, like an original painting. It's like, Ooh, it's signed. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean they were like a great artist or a famous artist, <laughs> but they're clearly we put some value just on that just on like it was worth signing right someone was proud of it yeah some label your stuff yes samantha yeah do as i say not as i do <laughs> and labels. Okay. i am making an effort to be better about labeling and this is one of the ways because i can't be held back by my hatred of my own handwriting <laughs> if i have something professionally made i think it's such a good idea it's like a it's like a investment in your own work and your own self-confidence yeah yeah exactly okay thanks for listening everyone we are going to close up the show now we are going to tell you to follow all of our social medias you should also download this new app called repod because i don't have anyone to talk to on there yet it's just sitting on my phone (laughs) so come bug me um what else samantha you can give us a dollar on Patreon, if you can manage to find our Patreon, despite its misspelling, <laughs> and yep. you will get instant access to over 40 bonus episodes. I'm, what are we talking about this month? I don't know what we're talking about this month, but I'm low-key obsessed with our topic for last month, which was um, Dread the Unsolved. This <laughs> That was series. really fun. <laughs> Where we talk about everything from like video games to creepy puppets. There's just like such a range of topics. It was very fun to do. So if you want to listen to that, go find a dollar and a fountain. Hurry up. Yeah. It's the best deal in town. There are other tiers too. If you want to, you know, you've got some money burning a hole in your pocket. You can get a coloring sheet every month. You can uh, get a special gift every quarter. Are the zines still available for purchase? Uh, why, yes, Samantha, they are. The new zine is finally going out. And we have a special at the moment if you want to get both of them for $22. So, and that includes U.S. shipping. So go look at our website, perhaps it's you.com under merch that has all of the buying details and um if you contributed to the zine or if you're in our top tier that is in the mail headed your way right now but um otherwise definitely buy a copy because you need those craft projects and playlists and there's a spell in there there's all kinds of stuff absolutely samantha has a list of 10 books you should read if you're a weirdo there's all kinds of things paper dolls yeah Yeah. it's pretty great um, if you've had like a psychic dream about your biological mother or really any kind of psychic dream or any sort of paranormal experience, is your house haunted? Is there a demon that makes things darker than the darkness? You should send in your story too. Perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. And that might be everything. I think that's everything we got to cover. Oh, do Samantha a solid and subscribe and also give us a five-star review. Slam that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. Take your mom's phone for five seconds and log into her Apple iTunes and (laughs) give us a review. (laughs) Review our podcast. Also, my dad made like a fake version of Wordle that the only correct answers are perhaps it's you things. So if you want to play that, you have to be in the... Uh, perhaps you have to be in our Facebook group, or I also tweeted it out on Twitter. So go find that if you play Wordle. It's, it's very it. funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everybody. Keep working. Bye.